As we move from ski season to spring, it's time to get those mountain bikes out. Most ski families use season passes to make skiing more affordable and fun. If your family mountain bikes, there's a new way to save on those adventures too. Make the most of spring and summer in the mountains with Lone Pass, the premier North American mountain biking pass. Lone Pass gives you over 60 days of access to some of the best mountain biking destinations across the country. Use discount code SKIMOMS15 to save 15% off your family's Lone Pass today at LonePass.com. That's L-O-A-M-P-A-S-S dot com. Lone Pass is available in two versions, for kids ages 6 to 11 and the adult pass for ages 12 and up. The pass combines access to the most premier resorts, gets you into bike parks, and connects you to shuttle companies to get you where you need to be. It's the one pass you need to bring the best cycling to your family. Remember, you'll get two days at each of the resorts, parks, or shuttles, making the investment one that will pay off big. Remember to use code SKIMOMS15 to save 15% off your family's loan pass today. Welcome to the Ski Mom Fun Podcast. We're your hosts, Nicole and Sarah. Today's episode is sponsored by Ski Butlers. Ski Butlers brings premium ski and snowboard gear to your condo or hotel and takes the rental shop hassle out of the equation. You can find Ski Butlers in more than 50 resorts in the U.S., Europe, and Canada, and they just added a new location in Mammoth, California. Go to the Ski Butlers link in the show notes to get started. Um, so Katie Ertle is um, coming to us from Aspen as the SVP of operations. And Sarah and I are always so excited to see more women rising in the ranks of the ski industry. And we're super excited to talk to you about Aspen operations and navigating your, your career um, at one mountain, which is really cool to hear about as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, one company, actually, there are four mountains within our our company. So across eight miles, we have four mountains within the valley. So when we definitely want to hear about that, because I think when people think about Aspen, they probably just think about Ajax as one, but Snowmass um, and uh, buttermilk. Buttermilk, yep. And then Aspen Highlands. Aspen so, Highlands. Yeah. And I think uh, uh, each has its own character and we can chat about that. Um, and each has an amazing ski school that is fantastic for kids as well. So love to chat about that as well. Well, why don't we start with your um, career path? So you, it looks like you're a Boulder native when we looked, or a Colorado <laughs> native. And then you went right from college to the Aspen course. So tell us a little bit um, about that that path. Yeah, well, actually, I grew up here in the Aspen Valley. My parents moved my twin sister and I here when we were three years old from Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, I, I thank them regularly. I got to go to Cleveland quite a lot and actually skied there um, when I was working for PSIA, which is our instructors association. Uh, so I did experience Cleveland and, and loved growing up here racing and being part of the, the mountains. Um, I actually started teaching skiing to work my way through college in Boulder. And so I would drive back here on the weekends and teach skiing to kids. I was a kids instructor for 12 years. And once I graduated college with a, a degree in kinesiology, my plan was to go 
to get a master's in physical therapy. Um, and instead, I decided to take a break and go to Australia to coach racing for kids nine to 11 years old and loved that so much that I started going back and forth uh, teaching skiing in Aspen and then te- at Snowmass and then teaching in, in a place called Mount Hotham in Australia. And that just blossomed into a wonderful career with my twin sister. We got to do Chevy Ski World ski tips for five years where we would have a two minute tip on CBS um, with Bob Yaddy's show. And that really got us involved in sponsorship and opportunities that uh, I think being a twin was very helpful and being female and, and wanting to rise in the industry. Um, after that, I, I worked my way into management in ski school. And concurrently, I actually went to the national level with ski instructors education. So I would travel around internationally and around our great country um, giving clinics to different divisions and different instructors. So got to do that. And then in um, 2005, I was able to oversee the four ski schools, which was eye-opening. And we have 1,300 instructors and <laughs> across the wow. Yeah, it's a big ski school. And so I started to learn more about the business and the operation and what was behind the scenes, not just interfacing with the guests directly and how we wanted to shape and structure uh, how we presented the ski school so that families knew we were there to take care of them, that we always put our most important guest as our youngest guest. So We start skiing them at three years old or when they're potty trained. And that's our most important guest because we're starting to create experiences, memories, and connection to the mountains and helping them feel like they belong here. Um, And and as you work through that with the children, you obviously are working with the parents very closely in pushing that forward. So I got to spend 12 years heading up the schools. And then in 2017, I was asked to step over to Mountain Operations and I've, I'm now in my sixth year in that role. So um, it's been, yes, all in one company. And I have to say I've had incredible advocates that have pushed me further than I thought I could go. And I tend to fall into that generalization of thinking I'm not ready yet and having not enough confidence to move myself, but having some really wonderful advocates, our CEO, um, my boss for 15 years, the VP of Mountain Operations at the time, um, really pushed me and, and offered me some opportunities that I probably wouldn't have taken if it was just thrown at me in an application. So that's sort of my my role and uh, and and pathway to where I've gotten. Can we go back to growing up in Aspen and learning about um, how who taught you to ski, what it was like learning? With your twin sister? Yes. So um, Megan and I, my twin, uh, my mom was a ski instructor at the time. And so we were put into ski school very young. Uh, She actually started teaching us when we were three. And then um, on the day she was working, we would go with another set of twins, Kevin and Mark DiCarlo, who also still live here. And we would uh, terrorize whatever instructor they gave us. And we did that until about eight years old. And then we qualified because of age to go into the race club. 
and the race club was on weekends and holidays and you were with coaches and bigger groups and started learning how to alpine race. So slalom GS and then downhill super G wasn't um, an event when I first started. So grew up there and really loved the town. I mean, it is, it's a very interesting town. You've got the local feel Aspen I'm talking about and Snowmass. You've got the local feel, but then you also have the transient population that's very wealthy and moves in and out and amongst us. And my mom was very good at helping us understand that there were going to be kids that were growing up here that were going to have things we didn't. And she taught us how to work for those things. Um, so I feel like my mom did a great job of helping us grow up in a, in a mountain town that, um, that is absolutely open and welcome, but also has its, um, perception of, of being a a playground for the wealthy. Where did the, the race programs train? Are they at the, uh, Highlands? So when I was growing up, they trained at Buttermilk. Okay. And now what we have is Aspen Valley Ski Club and Ski and Snowboard Club. They have... Um, created a partnership with us to have a space on Highlands, okay. what we call a Stapleton venue. And okay. so we get that, we start blowing snow in October. Those kids started skiing on the 10th of November and they have groups come in from Vail and Copper and other areas to, to train on that hill, which is fantastic. So we have a freestyle venue, a jump bag and uh, Alpine racing. Great. And we, we have, we have the NASCAR uh, nationals at the end of the season too. We've had that probably... <laughs> That would be so fun to come cover. Um, that would be, cause I know some people take it really seriously, but yeah, way too seriously. Others, others, it's just a great party. It's about 3000 people that get together, but you're right. Some people can take it way too seriously. Way too seriously. We're both so excited that you grew up racing because we have daughters that are that are both in programs right now, and it's really exciting for for us. I mean, they, I I hope they do whatever they want to do, but it's really nice to know within the industry that there are so many more job opportunities and career opportunities for them if they decide that that's a path that they want. Um, they're now seeing someone that they can emulate at the very top. I mean, the, the head of Vail is now, you know, a female and you know, we, we are, and it's not just in the marketing roles, which was when I started in this industry, the women were in marketing and the women were in public relations and it, they were, you know, definitely in the hospitality field, but they weren't at the very top. And so we're so excited to see more of us represented. Oh yeah, I'm I'm very excited too. I think you're right. Operations especially is very um it's 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 something that attracts men. It's fixing things, it's making sure things are uh you're getting snow on the ground, you're grooming. Um but within our patrol now, we have a director at Aspen Mountain for patrol that's female, an assistant director at Aspen Mountain for patrol that's female, a ski school manager at Aspen Mountain that's female, and then the Highlands. Ski school, ski patrol director is also female. So, uh, just by, by their sheer competency, they got their jobs, but I'm thrilled to have that blend now and, and that perspective. That's amazing. Yeah. So can you tell us, you mentioned a few things just there about what it is to, to run operations, but can you give us a little more insight into what, what is in your scope and what a day looks like? Sure. Yeah. So in the scope of operations, the the goal is to deal with the infrastructure and the movement on the hill. So you're talking about 
the lifts starting up in the morning, having all of your lift operators well-trained and ready to go. We have lift maintenance teams. So if something breaks or uh, we need inspections done, they're doing that on the lifts. And and for me, chairlifts are, have been the most interesting thing to learn about because it's what carries us up the hill. We don't think twice about getting on them and a lot can go wrong. I do. <laughs> and a, yeah. And a lot can go wrong. So I, I really... Um, a huge shout out to our lift maintenance teams. Um, and then we have snow cats out there grooming. We have ski patrol with guests, uh, helping with injured guests and guest service in general. We have guest service teams that help people move around the resort from lot to lift and get their skis and transfer their skis and things of that nature. Where do I store them at the end of the day? Um, and then, and everything beyond that. So. Those are the bigger pieces of mountain operations. And then sort of embedded in that is the food and beverage, which is on mountain and the ski and snowboard schools and rental retail. So all of those pieces um, live in inside the mountain manager's responsibility, even though they don't oversee all of that. So we have a huge rental retail program across the four mountains, and that's actually run by a managing director who reports to the revenue centers. But the responsibility of mountain managers to make sure things are working and communicating with our facilities maintenance teams. So some big situations there. Um, and then across what a normal day looks like for me in my role uh, is different to what a mountain manager's job looks like. So the mountain manager shows up and reacts to whatever's going on, right? Oh, we've got a huge ice puddle in our parking lot. This lift isn't working. They're, they're really uh, half our ski patrols out sick. They deal with those issues. My day looks like, um, what I try to do is set up my meetings with the mountain managers once a week. I do check-ins. So I set time. I do a two hour block so we can go skiing and do those meetings up on the hill so that I can get up and see what's happening. They can get outside and we're not just face to face in an office each day. Um, so I, I do, I have a schedule of like buttermilk on Monday, snowmass Tuesday, Highlands Wednesday and Aspen Mountain on Friday. And then Saturday back at snowmass Thursday is a meeting day. So, uh, and then I have to meet with my boss, who's the COO. So really, uh, a lot of time spent working with different departments. I work, interact with all of our marketing, our branding, uh, anything with PR, making sure that the messaging is getting out properly. We're going through a big project right now. It's called Pandora's. I don't know if you've heard about this, but we are having um, a 180-acre expansion on Aspen Mountain was approved last year. And this year, we are we spent a bunch of time glading and working through the cutting the lift line and next year we'll put the lift in and open that terrain to the public um but this year for example i'm spending a lot of time figuring out how do we name the runs <laughs> and there are a lot of runs in 180 acres and there are a lot of stakeholders who want people to have the runs named after for memorializing or we have the Ute tribe that's been here we have the mining history of the town with silver mining uh, and so many other things. So really putting that package together with our marketing team. So that, those are sort of the typical things that I'll do in a day. Um, and then hopefully things like this, where I get to interact with you all and, and a greater public. 
What a great job. Uh, I mean, I know that's a lot of responsibility as well, but a lot of awesome things. I think um, the naming is super exciting. You could yeah. certainly host some, have some PR opportunities too, where you can get some of the, the locals and guests to weigh in and um, possibly be in, involved in that. And I love that you walked us through your typical workday. Um, how many people at the end of the day uh, uh, report to you? Let's take a quick break. Spring is here, and we know even after the snow melts, ski moms love to play outside. Skeeta, our favorite Vermont outdoor accessory brand, has you covered as the seasons change. This spring, Skeeta is celebrating its 16th birthday with fresh prints like the Pastel, Whimsical, and Plein Air collection. Our favorite pieces include the throwback headbands. This headband is made to keep hair and sweat off your face. The single-ply design gathers neatly in the back for maximum styling. Where it's scrunched or lay it flat, it's your perfect partner for any activity where you want a great pop of color and style with minimal fuss. For sunny days, we adore the Skeeta Brim Hat. This five-panel camp hat is the perfect grab-and-go companion. Made in a lightweight, water-repellent material, this hat is ideal for hiking, camping, and the beach. Whether you are cheering the kids on at a lacrosse game, exploring with your girlfriends, or simply walking in the woods with your loyal pup, Skeeta accessories are there to make Ski Mom life more fun. Save 15% off your order with code SKIMOMS15 at checkout. So direct reports, it's six right now. And because I also oversee vehicle maintenance, lift maintenance, we have people that address that and then uniforms and wardrobe. So getting uniforms on, you know, 3000 people every year. So I have six direct reports, but underneath the department that I oversee is a thousand people. Yeah, that's, that's a big Big job. Um, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna go back a little bit. So now we know a little bit about Katie and about what you do there. For many of our listeners, um, they may have been to Aspen, but some haven't been there. So we were talking at the very beginning that it is more than just um, a town and one mountain. So kind of walk us through the um, the eight miles and what um, Aspen is like for somebody who has never been. Okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll throw a little history in there as well, uh, as memory serves me well. Um, in 1947, we opened Aspen Mountain and that was uh, in, in big part to Walter Pepke and Darcy Brown and Friedel Pfeiffer, who are ski legends and, uh, and, and institutional legends that have brought Aspen to life. And Walter Pepke really brought the sense of mind, body, spirit. So we opened up skiing. He also opened up the physics Institute, started the music school and those pieces that really round out the town of Aspen. Um, that mountain, we call our, we call it our flagship mountain. It comes right into the center of town. It's absolutely stunning. Um, very few mountains actually do come into the center of town. So you can ski right into Aspen, um, which then you can go out to lunch or go shopping. There's, uh, you know, many things to do in the town that welcome families or couples or individuals doing their thing. Um, then if you go two miles to the West, Aspen Highlands is what we would call our locals mountain. It is, um, really blossomed. We, uh, we became, it became our fourth mountain in 1993. Whip Jones used to own that hill and he opened that in 1958. Um, it used to have all sorts of lifts and could handle any level skier. 
And now it tends to hold the, the terrain that the locals seek out and those destination travelers that are looking for steeper terrain. So the Highland Bowl is a great adventure hiking up. We see kids five and six years old hiking up there now. It's just amazing, wide open, steep terrain. And then a lot of gladed ski training. So ski, uh, tree skiing, pardon me. So there's a lot to be offered there for the local. Then another mile to the west is buttermilk. And buttermilk, in 1958, Friedel Pfeiffer actually said to Aspen Ski Co., hey, you guys need a beginner area. Aspen Mountain doesn't serve the beginner. We want to keep people coming into the sport and welcome them. And they said, no, thanks. So he went and bought buttermilk and started the resort there with two chairlifts. And it's fabulous beginner terrain. It now has five chairlifts and he sold it back to Skiko. So uh, did a great thing for all of us. And it's that mountain has a dual personality because while it's the most amazing for the learning environment, it offers everything from green to black, but it's just a wonderful progression. It also hosts our Aspen um, ESPN X games. So you've got the, the half pipe and the huge jumps and the big air and the television and the concerts. So it offers a really wonderful venue for events as well. And then uh, another few miles out to the West is Snowmass and Snowmass started in 1967 and became a township. It used to be unincorporated um, as a town and now it's, it's, it's its own city. Uh, and that is our largest mountain. And we call that the mountain that has something for everyone, right? It has, very beginner terrain, hundreds of thousands of acres of that. And then so thousands of acres of that. And then it has very steep terrain as well. That in general is 3,300 acres. So it's quite a big mountain and you can spend a lot of time touring around and visiting our restaurants and enjoying ski school out there. We've got wonderful beginner terrain up at 10,000 feet on that hill, which is extraordinary because it gets the guests up out of the village, teaches them how to ski and ride, while they're looking at some amazing views and really getting a sense of what it's like to be on the mountain. Oh, so across all those options, they all sound amazing. Mm-hmm. Would you say one one area would be um, would be the where you would advise a family to stay if they were interested in coming? One of the the four or one of the the town yep. areas more than others. Uh, you know, to be honest, I think that Snowmass has a lot to offer because um, we have other activities in summer that support our winter business. So in Snowmass, you've got I've you've got a slightly cheaper option for hotels and lodging condominiums. You've got an amazing first class ski school with 700 instructors. We've got multitude of areas for beginners to learn both bo- snowboarding and skiing, and then we've got. Activities that can be enjoyed by family members where you head up the gondola and you can go ride our alpine coaster or you can go tubing. And we have evening evening events there as well. Also, there's a nice skating rink that is sort of the center of the village that really lets families, you know, kind of come together, have hot chocolate, enjoy time on the ice um, after skiing. So I do think that uh, th- that I would encourage families to go to Snowmass. We also have the Treehouse Kids Center, which is a state of the art facility for kids um, ages three up to 17. Um, buttermilk, if you if, if the family wants to stay in Aspen, buttermilk is just a short bus ride away or it's got free parking at the base of the resort, which is incredibly rare these days. Uh, and, and that also has a wonderful, what we call the hideout, a wonderful kids center that serves uh, two years old up to six years old. So I would say that either or, but Snowmass will have more to offer a family in the full package. 
So we took um, our girls there. I think they were four and seven to Snowmass, and it was a busy week. Um, there were 800 kids going to ski school on yes. one particular day. And I was like, this is never going to happen. We may get some kids back, but not our kids at the end of the day. But it was so well run. When I tell you, they had them sorted, kind of labeled and out on the mountain in a matter of like minute. I have no idea what the secret sauce was, but the kids were all... Um, sorted into their their appropriate groups. They had a great time because having that many kids, they were not only able to to kind of dial it in by ability, but they were close in age. So Kiara, who's a, a total ripper, was able to be with a group of kids who were equally as adventurous as she was. So she had a great experience mm-hmm. on the mountain. And then my younger one, who was, you know, pretty small was in a, and they had fun and they made like snowmen and they, everybody was happy. And I got my kids back at the end of the day. So however it happened, it was glorious. Oh, that's great. Well, that, that um, reminds me of something we've been really pushing for the last probably 30 years is that our um, ski and snowboard school is about skiing. It's about mountain adventure. It's not about sitting in restaurants, drinking hot chocolate or missing an opportunity to get out and have a run. Um, so we really do push our, our pros our we call our instructors pros professionals, and we really do push that it's about skiing and the parents are dropping their kids off to be part of a group. We want to mentor that group. We want to welcome everyone in, be inclusive and get them skiing and riding. And, uh, so I'm glad to hear that that happened because that's been one of our really things that we push hard that and feedback, that feedback loop is so important with ski school. Um, giving and taking feedback is so very important. And I've noticed in operations, it's a little bit less, um, I guess, developed in in the sense that, you know, when you talk to someone and you want to give them feedback, it's, it's taken more personally than if they're in ski school, because in ski school, they're like, yeah, lay it on me. I'm ready to grow. <laughs> and in operations, we're still working through how we're developing culture around feedback and, and, um, and being able to communicate well. And I will also say teenagers, um, depending on their ski ability, but my, um, as they got older, they do love um, the town of Aspen because it is so user-friendly for walking. You, you know, once you're there, you don't really need a car and they love, you know, walking in and out of the stores and the access to everything that, that is right there. Um, And Aspen definitely has that international flavor. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that, but I, it's probably my favorite people watching in the United States is um, the Aspen base area, because you'll see women who have zero intention of skiing and these gorgeous, you know, head to toe, like Bogner and the fur and full, you know, eyelash extensions. And I don't know where they're going, but I love watching it all. So let's talk a little bit about the international flavor of of Aspen itself. Yeah. So I think what's really nice about Aspen is anywhere in the world that you say the word Aspen, people think that ski town, winter skiing. And so we, and then we, as a sales and marketing, we go out and really want to pull that international guest in. They are a huge part of developing our business in January. Um, We get Australians, Brazilians, we have a huge um, contingency coming in April from South America, Central America. So it really, um, we really love that flavor. Uh, it's, It's, so in the sales piece of that, I think what happens is by word of mouth, 
people are like, oh, you got to go to Aspen and the celebrities come and they don't get bothered. So then they come back and they bring their friends. And um, and that that feeling of international is also mirrored in how we hire. So we really do make sure that we have H2B visas, J1 visas, giving folks opportunity to be here, whether they're going to work on lifts in the front line or tickets or ski school. And we really try to bring in, I think at one point we had 26 languages spoken in the ski school alone. Um, so we try to mirror that so that when the international guest comes, they feel like they have some language and some culture that is part of them. And we we never try to push that away. And, you're, and to your people watching point, I agree. It is phenomenal <laughs> sitting in the plaza at the Aspen Mountain Gondola is, is such a treat. <laughs> so. Here's what a ski mama needs. Help with the gear. Before I had kids, I found that just managing my own ski gear was a bit taxing. Add a kid or two and that relaxing ski holiday can quickly turn into a struggle fest. That's where ski butlers come in. They bring premium ski or snowboard gear to your condo or hotel and take the hassle out of the equation. We used ski butlers on our recent trip to Sun Valley, Idaho. The ski technician met us right at our ski locker room of our hotel and had our family outfitted in less than 30 minutes. We never had to leave the hotel. After the kids were finished, they dashed off to the hotel hot tub and it was a drama-free start to an awesome vacation. And the relationship doesn't stop with the first delivery. Once your gear is delivered, you'll have access to the ski butlers to make changes to your equipment based on your on-mountain needs. You can find ski butlers in more than 50 resorts in the U.S., Europe, and Canada. And they just added a new location at Mammoth, California. To get started, go to the ski butlers link in the show notes to set up your profile. It's an easy process to register your entire family for skis and snowboard gear. They even offer helmets and goggles. The ski butlers think that every ski mom deserves a hassle-free holiday. And now back to our show. So you're, you're managing this this huge staff of instructors and, and across all the different areas of the business and bringing people in internationally. We've heard, you know, we see it at a lot of our mountains around New England having challenges, um, not only recruiting, but then finding you know, accommodations for these people. So can you tell us a little bit about how you've been solving some of those problems? Yeah. So we're privately owned, which has been wonderful by the Crown family out of Chicago. And they, we have noticed the housing considerations over the years. So long ago, Aspen itself has a wonderful employee housing program. There are over 3000 units through the city and county and uh, the Aspen Public Housing Association. So that was a good model for SkiCo when the Crowns came in and and got all four, they started figuring out ways to create seasonal housing. And we share, right? The music school comes in, they'll take over summer. SkiCo employees come in, they'll take over the winter rentals. Um, But we saw that we needed more. So over the last 10 years, we've upped our um, seasonal bed to about 900 beds. And that's through acquisitions, that's through building, that's through partnering. Um, And so that's just seasonal. And then we probably have another 300 beds that are dedicated to the year-round workers. So finding a way, if you bring someone in through marketing or finance, having a place for them to land um, for one, two, or three years so they can get their foot into the market. 
Um, at four years, if you work in Pickens County, Snowmass, or Aspen for four years, you can qualify to sign up for the APSHA lottery. And APSHA is the public housing that Aspen is and Pickens County are putting forward. So you can then qualify for that and hopefully buy or rent something in that pool, opening up our beds for those next employees coming in. So I think that I think the crowns in this company have done a really wonderful job trying to figure that out. And of course, with that comes, okay, now you've got to maintain all these units. Now you've got to figure out your scheduling of when someone moves in and when someone moves out. So there's a very a quite a large staff dedicated to housing uh across our valley from Glenwood all the way up to Aspen. So um yeah, I mean it's 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 really an interesting game, you know, looking at can you buy a hotel and turn it, you know, remodel it and make it into housing units? Those are questions a lot of different departments are asking. SkiCo, our uh public transportation called RAFTA, they're looking into doing that for their employee housing. So finding ways to help people stay in the valley and closer to where they work is really important. We'd love to hear a little bit more just about you. You know, are you able to get out there a few days a week during the season? And I probably get 80 to 100 days on my pass a year, but a day will look like two hours on the hill. When I was in ski school, I will say that I, and I just loved skiing growing up. I I was one of those kids that like, yeah, I would cry when my feet got so cold that I couldn't feel them, but I would, it wouldn't stop me from going out the next day. And we had some of those coaches, the race coaches that were so hardcore, uh, but you wanted to please them. And, and so you'd go out the next day and I just grew to love skiing. I think it's just a fabulous way to get the wind in your face, to explore nature in a different way, to feel things with your body. Um, so I, in ski school, what I loved is I could train a lot. So preseason, every day you would show up at ski school. If you weren't working or if you had an hour before this class started, someone would be like, hey, you want to go take a run and work on X? And I I absolutely miss that so much right now. Uh so that that was my life up until 2017. And then when I moved into operations, while I'm still out on the hill, it literally was like, okay, Katie, we're gonna go from the top of this lift over to the, you know, to the compressor building to check on snowmaking. So you're moving from point to point. You're skiing with people that don't care how they ski. They just get from point A to point B. They aren't interested in what a short turn is or how you ski the bumps or bettering your position on your skis. They they just, they don't care about that. Their job is to get from point A to point B and go look at the compressor building for snowmaking. So I find that in operations, while even though I have my meetings on snow, I'm not spending any time focusing on my skiing. And I do miss that greatly, but what I do love is how much I'm learning. It's, I, I have learned so much about lifts and snowmaking and snowcats and grooming and the purchasing department and uniforms. I mean, it's been a wealth of information that I wouldn't have had access to if I had said no to this job. And I'm thrilled. It doesn't mean I wasn't scared when I took the job because I can tell you I spent a year <laughs> just worried or concerned or overreacting or not understanding, having to ask questions. It took me a long time to slow down um, and and say, okay, the world's not going to fall apart. I can ask the questions I need before I make a decision. Uh, when I was in the ski schools, having grown up in ski school, I just knew everything in operations. It's been a really steep learning curve. So 
while I ski now, I would say it has a very different focus than it used to. And and my skiing technique has probably gone downhill a bit, but my knowledge of the how to, the resort is run has gone up quite a bit. And are there other ways that you make sure that you're finding like the joy in winter and that you're putting the playfulness into um, that season? Yes. So we have a really wonderful uphilling program here. If you don't know what that is, or that's where you put skins on the bottom of your skis and you can actually walk uphill on your skis, take those skins off and ski back down. And in a lot of resorts across the nation and in Colorado have shut down to uphilling because there are liabilities associated with the movement of equipment on the hill, snowmaking hoses crossing the hill, snow danger if we get good big storms. And so we've created a program where we um, have designated routes. You have to have a, a, a band on your backpack or um, on your body somewhere that says you're participating in the program and you've signed a waiver. Uh, and then we, we, uh, we've probably got 11 designated routes across the four mountains where people can go up and uphill and then come back down. So I, I do that for myself to keep the joy of skiing and I'll go early in the morning. I, I, my dog's a little bit old now, so I would take her up and she'd get a good exercise. Uh, and then I would do that before work. And then on top of that, I try to do, um, when I can go for four days with my husband somewhere, he's a ski instructor as well. We'll go take a ski vacation. We did a really fun trip, a heli hut trip up in Canada a few years ago. We did where you they fly you into a hut and leave you there for seven days with guides. And then you tour. You just tour these beautiful, like 10 hours a day. It's just insane. Beautiful runs, beautiful hiking. So I think that's where I find my joy now. And then if I end up stepping out of this job in the future, um, I, I think I could see myself going back to teaching skiing part-time and and being able to refocus on just being out there for me. But um, for, in the meantime, I've loved, I really believe in servant leadership. That's my value uh, system. And so I love helping people be better each day. And whatever job I've been in, my goal is to take care of the people around me. So I've really enjoyed that. And I don't miss all the skiing I used to do for myself, but I do find joy and I love going uphill once or twice a week. Well, you made it sound so easy, but um, I've done <laughs> that a bunch with Nicole and, <laughs> and it definitely is not as easy for me as you're making it sound. <laughs> Remember Nicole trying to get those little pins into the side of my skis while I'm on Sarah the Sarah saying, leave me, save yourself. <laughs> I told her just go. Like I, you, it was getting dark. <laughs> and I told her to just leave me. I just, yeah. I was giving up. I, <laughs> but it was really fun. And I did survive. Clearly, and I did not leave right. her on the mountain. It was not like an alive moment. Um, yeah. I'm well, pretty I, sure. I'm pretty sure one time, Nicole, didn't you say you put your helmet down halfway up and it oh, no, shot I, down the mountain? <laughs> I was climbing and I stopped to get water. Um, and I put my backpack down and it did, um, there was one slow roll and I was like, uh Oh, and then it started picking up momentum and I had a headlamp and it's dark and I could see a headlamp below me. And I fortunately yelled down the mountain and a guy stopped it and then carried it. I mean, total rookie move. Oh yeah. Um, We all have those. Yep. Or when you take your ski off and you take the skin off and you don't, you forget to flip it over and there's no brakes. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and that'll really get going. Dog killing's not easy, but what I do love, especially when COVID hit, like we we pushed hard to keep up- uphilling open with the Forest Service and with our our ownership. And boy, can I tell you, it 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 was just so needed for mental health and physical health. It was amazing, and from that blossomed a really great program that. What I love about uphilling is that you can do it on the front of a mountain where it's grooved and you don't have to like sludge through the trees and break trail. You can just head up the hill, get your exercise and pop back down. It's really nice. It's such an efficient workout too. I always, I had a group of moms during um, COVID that we would get up with our, our headlamps and, you know, everybody had to get kids either to physical schools or online. Um, but you, you know, even just like one big climb, it was, you know, 45 minutes up and you get the one run down. You still feel yeah. like you'd accomplish something just yeah. for you that day. It was incredibly powerful. Like, we probably have 8,000 passes that we sell a year, not wow. sell, give away. Sorry. We, we, if you buy a premier pass, you get an uphilling pass for free. If you just want the uphilling pass and that's all you do all season, it's like $69. And then we donate 10 of that. Um, 10 of those dollars to the mountain rescue um, Aspen. We always finish off with our, our favorite question is what does apres ski look like for you? I, I used to look a lot better. <laughs> okay. So I have to tell you a story. Um, when I was in ski school, we have some great restaurants on Hill. And these are restaurants that when you have a private lesson guest, they love to go. You get to drink wine at lunch with them or champagne. You get to enjoy it. And, and it's a two hour lunch and then last run down, right? You just get them to their car or to their hotel. Um, and I, when I was in ski school, I'm like, oh, this is great. Cloud nine. Everyone should take their guests to cloud nine. And uh, and I would, we have a, a clause in our agreement that is if you're in ski school and you're with private lessons, you can drink responsibly. When I got into operations, which that's the red uniform is ski school, the blue uniform is operations. When I got into operations, I sat outside of Cloud Nine, which is that awesome restaurant. And within an hour, I'm like, we need to shut this place down. This is crazy. I can't believe people are doing this. <laughs> and so, so Apres ski looks a little different when you're in operations. <laughs> and you're thinking about liability. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's more like going down and having a beer in the locker room with ski patrol instead of having a cosmopolitan at the little no with your guest. So, but Apres for me, I love what I love is something warm to eat. I love, these are going to sound terrible for you because they are, but fried macaroni and cheese. Yum. And truffle fries, love those. Um, and then for drinks, I did used to have Cosmopolitans, which is a fruit, fruity martini. <laughs> and and now it's it's probably a PBR or a Budweiser with Patrol in the locker room. <laughs> Times have changed. <laughs> Times have changed, yeah. But it's been it's been just a wonderful career. Um, I'm in my 36th year with Seco. I, I never would have thought that would happen. I thought I'd be living somewhere else or being a physical therapist, but it's just been a wonderful career. And like I I said earlier in this talk, if you have people that advocate for you as a woman moving forward in leadership, listen to them, listen to them and say yes, because it is so, so valuable to gain those experiences. And the biggest question I've always asked myself is what's the worst thing that could happen? And it's I fail and I get fired. Um, and, and that won't kill me. It won't kill me. And I will have taken a chance. So I just encourage any listeners, any young girls and ladies that are interested in leadership and management, 
whatever business you're in, it's going to be a lot of the same things. It's about managing people, helping them thrive, helping them grow, and taking care of those around you. And that's what leadership to me is. So uh, I would just encourage anyone, if someone says do it, do it. Thank you so much for your time today. We can't wait to get back to Aspen. Um, we'll look you up, but probably not for a PBR. I think we'd come more. I go to the cost of apology with you. Thank you. That would be wonderful. So please contact me. I'd love to. Thank you so much for listening to the Ski Moms Fun Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Head to the SkiMomsFun.com website to check out our swag and find out more about our community. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Ski Moms Fun. We'll be back next week with more interviews and insights. Thanks, Snow. No one works as hard as a ski mom. With Mother's Day right around the corner, we want to remind everyone to shop the Ski Moms gift guide for the best ideas. These are the gifts we want to give and get for Mother's Day. Prices range from under $10 for simple treats like notepads to big splurges like a new boot bag. Remember, the big day is Sunday, May 12th, so you want to shop now to make sure everything gets there in time for mom. Visit the SkiMomsFun.com gift guides page or click the link in show notes to see our picks for this year. Make it easy for your kids, partner, or spouse and just forward them the link. Or better yet, treat yourself to something from our expertly curated Ski Mom wish list. Remember, visit SkiMomsFun.com and look for the gift guide page.